you know how much I'm missing sports? Like a fucking lot? This is ridiculous. Doug, I just watched the 2006 World Cup All Goals video. It was on Amazon Prime, and it's two hours where they show each goal from each game in the 2006 World Cup. And I watched wow. it. And I enjoyed the fuck out of it, and I got sad. But I right? couldn't watch any actual soccer. Like, I think the Portland Timbers were supposed to play tonight. Nope. God damn it. I miss sports. I miss sports so much. Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast where myself, Renee Sanchez, and my buddy, Max Lyon, what up? Watch Rob Cobbs and then relatively soon after watching the Rob Cobb, record our opinions for your listening pleasure. And, and I don't know if you can tell through the audio quality that we are not in the same room. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the official quarantine episode. <laughs> this probably won't be the only quarantine episode. <laughs> It, let's cross our fingers. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be at least one more. Yeah. yeah. God damn it. I don't know. Unless God, I feel like weird. Wa- I feel like, unless I feel like walking all the way over there to you, but no, you're not allowed. No, We're, I'm. This place is shut down. It's a. It's asylum. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, Max, give it a, uh, give it a few more days, and it's an insane asylum. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, the last time we actually even saw each other was the two-part episode recording session that we had, which was recorded on Friday the 13th, right? No. No, it was... It was Friday the 6th. Yeah, it came out. Yeah. It was supposed to be Friday the 13th, but we recorded ahead of time. Yeah, we, yeah, because we're supposed to record this on Friday the 13th. Yeah. And then I was supposed to be in Vegas currently. Right. But I am not. I am in Chicago still because everything is closed. And we're also, we we're supposed to be getting ready for baseball yeah. season. And yeah, we we're supposed to go out on that St. Patty's thing we've talked about on the podcast so much. And mm-hmm. you went out, but I did not because I got a cold right before everything shut down and got quarantined. Thank God it was only a cold and not the actual virus. But yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's been it's a. It's been the common cold, like that. It's the same thing I've had before as a common cold, like same thing you always get. But of course, that's just made everything super sketchy about going outside. So I just haven't gone outside for like a couple weeks. Yeah, and it, it's been real tough. God, it's been <laughs> tough. It's so weird. Yeah, it's so but, weird. I mean, I'm not complaining. Working from home has been awesome. That's been cool. Um, you know, and we're lucky enough to have jobs where we're able to work from home. Yeah, and you know, we we send positive vibes to those who haven't been as lucky. Yeah, um, yeah. Everybody needs sure. to fucking stay safe, stay yeah. healthy. Eat, drink, drink a lot of orange juice. Get your vitamin C. Mm-hmm. You know. Stay mentally healthy, too. I know that's going to start deteriorating here in a couple days. Yeah, definitely. 
But, uh, but uh, yeah, as you mentioned also, you know, baseball was supposed to be starting up here pretty soon, which is why we chose Bull Durham to watch for the podcast. And which is why we stuck with it, because after that little intro, it's about yeah. to... It's about to go back to the way it was, and uh, yeah. let's forget about all that crap. Have some fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, it. I mean, MLB the show just came out, so we have that. That's literally <laughs> the only amount of sports I have in my life. <laughs> oh my god, that and a wiffle ball bat in my living room. I've literally just been swinging it around like a madman. <laughs> well. <sighs> Let's talk about your history with baseball real quick. I mean, you've mentioned before that it's your favorite sport. And it was the sport you played in high school. And, and yeah, it, it's a sport that you play well. I know that. But talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I just I grew up playing baseball. My dad played baseball um, throughout most of his young adult life as well. And. He taught it to me at an early age, and I started appreciating it as an early age. Of course, he was a Dodgers fan, so um, naturally, my defiant ass self had to become a Giants fan. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's always been important to me. I've always loved the the nuances of it. I can I definitely understand how it can get super boring, and um, it, you know, it's not as appreciated of a sport anymore as it could be, but. Um, I definitely appreciate the the romanticism of it, the um, all the little uh, quirks about it that you don't get with a lot of other sports, especially contact sports. So mm-hmm. um, there was always kind of a level of uh, yeah romanticism about it for me. So I, I love watching a movie that's combining those things. Yeah, and. That was, and with baseball, I personally stopped playing in Little League. Uh, I, I quit. That was the first and possibly only sport I quit midseason. I, uh, did you want me to go into that history? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, only if you wanted to. Uh, I mean, uh, we, we can just move on because even though I quit playing it, I still enjoy the sport. I still like following up and keeping up with it. I'd much rather watch it in person than watch it on TV myself. Uh, but, you know, I, growing up, I grew up a Mariners fan because that's who was on cable, who was on TV. Mm-hmm. And I was seven years old when, you know, they had the postseason run with Ken Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez and Edgar Martinez and all those guys. But yeah. they came back from 11 games down in August to, you know, win the division and then make it to, you know, the ALCS. Uh but uh, the other thing was, you know, that was one of the first sports where there was a legit uh, professional element in Salem, in the small town. Yeah. Small, like, or I guess the big town is what I like to call it. Salem is a big town, not a small city. It's a big town. Um, but, yeah, they, they got a minor league team, the short season Seagull A team, the Salem Kaiser Volcanoes. Uh, which are the affiliate of the San Francisco Giants, your favorite team. Damn right. Uh, At least they were. Yeah. I don't know if they are anymore. They but... still are. They are still they? Are. Yep. Uh, hasn't changed the entire 20-some-odd-year history of that team. 23 okay. years now. Uh, but 
Yeah, so in the summers, you know, starting when I was nine years old, there was all of a sudden, quote-unquote, professional baseball to watch. So, you know, I remember going to games for five bucks. You you know, you go to the general admission bleachers, or there was a little grass area behind the left field wall, and you could just, like, sit there on yeah. this little tiny hill right behind the wall. Minor league games out. are fun. Yeah, and <laughs> and, like, here – in Chicago, you know, we have two major league teams that we can go to big league stadiums and watch games. And we get kind of spoiled because that's an experience I didn't have readily available to me. But something I have mentioned before and it, through this movie was kind of doubled down upon was how much I kind of miss the minor league environment. Yeah, the minor leagues definitely have a, a different different level of the game to them and a different atmosphere to the games yeah it's a it's an it's such a different atmosphere it's so unique and i like it's just a -a one-of-a-kind experience where you just feel like you're transported to uh you feel like you're in a community like yeah yeah it feels like a neighborhood ball game it feels like, yeah, it feels like you're at the park and a bunch of people ended up showing up at the park at the exactly. same time. Like, it's a very, very together vibe to, like, a minor league game. Where with the major league game, it's so spacious and there's so many other things you can do and there's so many, you know, other right, things right. that you kind of can be alone together. But in a minor league ballpark, it's so small and, you know, so enclosed and there's not much else that they usually offer in amenities that you just can't help but all just kind of watch the game together. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And yeah, I, I dig that vibe. And that's one thing that this movie gets right. And we can, we'll go more into that as we start yeah, reviewing. Let's, it let's go into it. Um, but yeah, that, and like the whole baseball idea is also kind of the first memories of the movie. I just, I remember hearing about this movie a lot, but I actually didn't finally watch it until about a couple years ago. But I just remember, Whenever people talk about like the best baseball movies ever, this would always be on the short list along with like Major League and, um, you know, Field of Dreams, which I, I still haven't watched myself, but I don't really care to. Yeah. Um, and like other movies like that. Um, and then this is your first time watching it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was the first time I've seen it. And yeah. Um, yeah, I can't believe I waited so long. I mean, I've seen, I think, every other baseball movie I can think of. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and there are plenty of bad ones out there, but <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see why this was this was on the list of top baseball movies. It's got a good plot, and yeah, I like uh, I like the twist that it's not just another baseball movie that it's got a different you know romantic storyline to it. That's yes, it doesn't overpower it, and they kind of balance each other out, and it's kind of a nice nice pairing. Uh, like I said, I, that's kind of what I always liked about baseball. Anyway, was that it's there's a there's definitely like a, a almost like fairy tale kind of feel to baseball sometimes if you dress it up like that. Yeah. And, you know, like movies like The Natural have the same kind of elements where they're they've got the love story that's very much intertwined with the actual journey of the main character through baseball and his career. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't I mean, I, I suppose you could you could have that with other sports, but for some reason it's always in my mind been associated with baseball. Um, yeah, I, I love baseball, man. I, 
I still miss, I miss playing. I still like every, every city I moved to, I still find like an amateur league to play in whenever I can. I would have played again this year, but another casualty of the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, We'll get into the stats of the movie here. So uh, Bull Durham is a 1988 American romantic comedy sports film. Uh, It is partly based upon the minor league baseball experiences of writer-director Ron Shelton, and it depicts the players and fans of the Durham Bulls, which is a minor league baseball team, a real minor league baseball team in Durham, North Carolina. They are currently the AAA affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, The film stars Kevin Costner as Crash Davis, and it also uh, stars... Uh, Susan Sarandon, Tim Robbins, Trey Wilson, and Robert Wool. It is directed, as I mentioned, by Ron Shelton. Uh, it was released on June fifteenth of nineteen eighty-eight. So we were both young pups, not even a year old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how long is the movie, Max? Mm, two hours, ten minutes. It is a hundred and eight minutes, an hour and forty-eight. Okay. <laughs> well, it gives you an idea how I felt about the pace of the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, and the movie budget was seven point five million. That's it. Yeah, even for holy I mean, hell, even, even in the eighties, if you inflate that, that's still like twenty to twenty-five million. That's about as much as was spent to make like No Strings Attached. Damn. Yeah, um, which Damn. I mean makes sense. It, I mean, you just need some minor league ballparks and. And yeah, you just take some cameras and fucking yeah, make it not happen. a lot of sets or anything like yeah. And I'm know. sure it's it, I'm sure it didn't take a lot of money for them to ask someone to use their house in Durham. <laughs> you know? Hey, um, uh, we got a camera crew out back. Uh, can we use your house? We're already like, used in the backyard, but two so. weeks and we're gonna have Susan Sarandon perform multiple simulated sex acts in it. Yep. Is that cool? All right. And like throw food on this floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That cool with you? Yeah, cool. All right. All right, fantastic. Sign here. Sign here. Yeah, sign here and here. And uh appreciate it. Initials. Yeah. <laughs> Here's ten grand. Thanks. Yep. Uh, uh how much did it make in the box office, Max? Uh, I'm gonna say forty million. Fifty-eight million dollars. That's nice. That's a solid profit. Solid profit. I mean, we're talking eight times, so wow. Yeah. It it was a pretty good success, uh, which, I mean, I guess that's why you probably saw copycat baseball movies like Major League come out, you know, two, three years later. Yeah. And, all right, yeah, and, you know, other things like that. Um, <laughs> uh, before we go further, like, go to your tasty tidbits, do you have a favorite baseball movie, Max? Because we may not talk mm. about baseball movies again. That's true. So I should t- I should really take advantage of this. Yeah. To really bore everyone with my universal love for the sport. Because I love Major League, but Major League does not have enough romance in it. No. In fact, the, the main romance storyline between the, uh, the, so the catcher and Rene Russo is quite horrible. It's so, so dumb. Yeah. Um, no, I like, um, well, the, I mean, The Natural is a good one. But it always gave me the, it always gave me the heebie-jeebies. It was weird. 
I didn't. Yeah. I also haven't used the term heebie-jeebies and I don't think my entire <laughs> life. So there's that. Um, mm-hmm. But I, it, was, it always creeped me out. The, the love story yeah. there was just a little creepy. Glenn Close is creepy. Okay. She's not a love interest. <laughs> She's terrifying. I mean, she will not be ignored. Uh, that's a reference to Fatal Attraction. Yeah, I was gonna say Fatal Attraction between <laughs> between between her role in Fatal Attraction and One Hundred and One Dalmatians. <laughs> like, I can't trust her. Cannot trust her. She kills rabbits and dogs. No, <laughs> that's it. I you could. Yeah. I don't care how great she is in bed. There's. Mm-mm. That's already done deal. No, I'm convinced that I'm completely convinced there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, off track. Um, yeah. I would say I don't know that I have a favorite favorite. The uh, 2012 San Francisco Giants World Series DVD is quite. Oh good. Jesus! Um, <laughs> I I can hear you typing. I know because I have. I'm using the mic on the computer that I'm recording through. Oh Jesus! Uh, yeah, um, I, I'm just gonna. No, I'm just gonna blow through it. I'm just gonna. You go ahead and you type. I'm sorry that my speech is boring you. You text. Go. No, I'm. I'm looking up a list of the top fifteen according to MLB.com. Oh fuck MLB.com. So I'm just trying to get like a list of it and see if there's anything that, uh, that, yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say, I would say say that natural is up there. It's just a, it's like, it's like the, it's a wonderful life of baseball movies. It's, it's got a lot of good messages in it. It's a complex storyline. It's, you know, it's Robert Redford. You can't go wrong with that. You can go wrong with Glenn Close, but we've covered that. Um, it, you know, that's it's a good classic baseball movie. For me, I would say one of my personal favorites that is very underrated is Mr. Baseball. That is on this list. Really? Uh, I believe so. I'm surprised. Tom Selleck, a bunch of other people I don't know. Oh, uh, Dennis, what's his name? Uh, Dennis. Uh, hey, the, Dennis Haysbert? Yeah. The Allstate commercial guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, not on this list. I apologize. They have Mr. 3000, but not Mr. Baseball. Oh, Mr. 3000 was not that good. Yeah. Like RIP Bernie Mac, but. Yeah. But that was not a good movie. Um, yeah, Mr. Baseball was, I think, a really good one because that that also deals with a lot of the like thinking behind baseball. And I think that's that's another thing I've always liked about baseball is that there's strategy involved. There's a lot of good mm-hmm. thinking and a lot of good mental side to the sport that you don't get with a lot of other sports. Um, yeah. and it's almost like a fast-paced chess game. There's a lot of like outmaneuvering and out thinking and out strategizing. Faster paced, <laughs> like because chess games can go a while, but yeah, yeah, it still <laughs> they can. Baseball games are, yeah, they, you know, they they drag on, yeah. they drag on, yeah. But uh, I did like that they they addressed that in this movie. Not the not the length, the lengthiness of the games, but the thinking aspect of the game. 
yeah. and how much of a mental game you have to play in order to be good. Yes. At it. That was yes. a great little undertone of the movie, I thought, but we'll get more yeah. of that. Uh, for me personally, I think it comes down to this movie in Major League. And, like, they're in the discussion. Um, and then I want to give a quick shout out to a movie I own that we technically could do for this podcast. It's another Kevin Costner one, but I'm just going to veto because the love story is the worst part of the movie and the baseball is actually the best part of the movie, but for love of the game, uh, that movie, like the actual storyline of, you know, Billy, of Billy Chappell pitching a perfect game in Yankee stadium. Like on the last day of the season, last start of the season, like there's a lot of like cool little flashbacks and like things like that within the baseball storyline, but then it just gets bogged down when Kelly Preston and Jenna Malone show up on the screen. Uh, but yeah, it got uh, bogged down when Kevin Costner showed up on the screen. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, but my favorite baseball movie was not on the top 25 list either. What is it? And it's Little Big League. Oh, that's such a I good will, one. I will forever ride for that. It is, is definitely underrated. Oh, that's such a good when, one. When he inherits the baseball team from his grandfather owner who dies, and then he becomes the manager. And then like, there's just a lot of really good uh, cameos by baseball players. Like, Ken Griffey Jr. actually plays a villain <laughs> in the movie, <laughs> but, but he does it in his Ken Griffey Jr. way where you actually don't hate Ken Griffey Jr., at least I didn't because I'm a Mariner fan and, I watch, and I'm watching the Mariners beat the Twins. But like, at, but if you're watching it and rooting for the Twins in the movie, you're just like, that cocky asshole. <laughs> like, they, they played up well. And Randy Johnson legit looks like he could kill a dude. Like they, he they always just, did. He was terrible. He always did. Oh, like, my God. But, but yeah. Remember that, time that, when he, remember that time when he killed a bird? Yeah, with a pitch. With a he pitch? Threw, he threw a spherical object through the air fast enough to destroy a bird. Not just kill it, destroy it. It exploded. I never yeah. saw the I never saw the carcass. No, there was no carcass. It was pulverized. It just appeared off the camera. Yeah. yeah. So that's what he could do. Um, and, and every time I see that, I'm like, yep, that checks out. It's Randy Johnson. That sounds uh-huh. about right. Like uh-huh. mm-hmm. exactly. anybody else, yeah. you'd be like aghast and appalled, but like <laughs> Randy Johnson, you're like no. Nah. So See his face. Um, that, yeah, checks out. that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, now that we've given our favorite baseball movies, Max, <laughs> drop some tasty tidbits. Tasty on tidbits. Us. All right. I've only got a few, but there's, there's some right. decent ones in here. So, name someone who was originally considered for Nuke. Hmm. It's it's an obvious guess because he appeared as a very similar character in a very similar movie very oh, soon after this. Charlie Sheen? Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Which, by the way, I said Major League came out like three years later. It actually came out in 89, so it came out the year after this movie. That sounds so, like, right. That's, the success of this movie basically paved the way for Major League the very next year. Yep. Yep. Apparently, he was already committed to another movie about baseball called Eight Men Out. I've never seen uh, that. Yes. That was on that list of 25 I just saw. Um, that one is about the uh, Black Sox. The Black Sox, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the the more dramatic movie of the two between that and Field of Dreams. 
I would I would imagine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um you mean they don't just randomly show up as ghosts in a cornfield? Yeah. <laughs> don't just like you know, play a game of catch. Just play a game of catch. Like you know he always wanted to do with his dad when he was younger, but couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I think for us just that our own relationships with our fathers probably <laughs> just doesn't hit that way. It's like I can understand others who have relationships with their fathers like that. I never played catch with my dad. <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah. I will, I will take the exception there because I did have a pretty good childhood with my dad growing up in that respect. Sure. Like we, we played, we played toss a lot. We went out and played in the backyard every day. He came home from work. He taught me how to hit my first curveball. Because he would, we'd go out in the backyard and he would throw me tennis balls over and over and over from this big bucket up against this cherry tree. And he would just keep throwing them over and over and I would keep missing them. And he would, he'd use the bright green on the tennis ball to make me, like train me to see the white quote unquote stitches of the tennis ball. Mm. And he's like, if you can pick up the white segments in the green as it rotates, you'll know what kind of pitch it is. And eventually yeah. I started picking up the spin and I knew when he was going to throw a curveball and then it just became a matter of hitting it. Yeah. And uh, I still remember like when I was 12 years old, I find he threw me a curveball. And I swung and hit it and I crushed it all the way back to the house and it landed on the roof. And it was probably maybe 300 feet away. Mm -hmm. And my dad just spins around and goes, well, we're done here. And he just walks away. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that's it. And he's like, I can't throw you any more curveballs. Like you're now, you know how to hit it. My weapon is useless. So that was always a nice little memory that I had was, and it, it worked out. Now, every time someone throws me a curveball on an O2 count, and I can tell it's going to come. I pick it up and I'm like, well, this isn't dropping out of the zone. I might as well crush the hell out of this. Yeah. So. I, that was the story of uh, Hank Aaron where like they found out why Hank Aaron was so good because like during a batting practice, he was swinging and hitting the ball. And then he just kind of muttered under his own breath. He's like, Ah, damn it. Like the sun's setting and creating the shade and I'm having a hard time seeing the stitches. And someone was like, see the stitches. And he's like, yeah, that's how you, you know, and like he basically explained how he would see the stitches. So he knew what pitch was coming. And that's why he was such a good hitter. And he was yep. doing that at a time when people weren't really thinking that different. That's, that's awesome. That's, I did not know that about Hank Aaron. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it's true. Seeing the stitches really helps, but it's not something everyone can pick up. It's it. It's you really have to train yeah. yourself. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Charlie Sheen. So Charlie Sheen. Uh, anyway, moving on. Mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned, it's based on a true relationship. Uh, from what was the writer's name? Ron Shelton. Ron Shelton's past. So he had a friend who was a manager in the minor leagues named Joe Altabelli. Hey, Joe at the belly. It's my people, my paisan. <laughs> um, and, and a pitcher named Steve Dukowski, who is not one of my people. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, although I do love Polish people too. So yeah, that was basically all there was to that backstory. Um, Dukowski did not grow up to be a, a major leaguer or have the same success. Apparently he suffered from alcoholism. So that was a sad end to that movie. Um, also the, uh, the sprinkler scene where they turn on the sprinklers during the, during the, the night to dissuade them from playing a game the following day. Yeah. To create a rain out. That yeah. actually happened. It, it was part of the uh, <laughs> Dallas Fort Worth Spurs. And they were playing, they were scheduled to play the Amarillo Giants. Um, is that how you pronounce that town? Amarillo? Yeah. Amarillo is AMA. A-M-A-R-I-L-L-O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm Amarillo. Amarillo. Okay. The Amarillo or, you know, Giants. Uh, if you want to go Hispanic with it, Amarillo. Amarillo. Well, that's what was throwing me off. It was the double L. <laughs> I knew it was Spanish. Um, it's like the only thing I remember from high school Spanish class. Um, <laughs> so apparently the team, some teammates from both teams decided to do this because neither of them wanted to play the next day. <laughs> so in the middle of the night in 1970, they went to the field and turned on all the sprinklers and rained it out. The only problem was the Giants GM wanted to play the game so bad that he hired helicopters to dry the infield in the morning. (laughs) No way. Yeah. He hired helicopters to come in and dry the field with their blades. (laughs) Like, just hover over the fucking field. Like, just stay there for a good hour, hour and a half. Let's let's dry this puppy out. <laughs> and the game was in fact played in ni- in front of 963 fans. Much, Jesus. much to the chagrin of probably most of the players that <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like everyone. Yeah. Fuck, we were hu- we're hung over, man. We we didn't expect to play today. <laughs> um yeah. also uh Crash Davis is actually a real player. The name really? is. Yeah. In fact, it was it was named after a real player, but they everyone thought that the real player was actually deceased. And can you hear the sirens on your end? Uh, I could, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, sounds of the city. Yeah. Um, so it was named after a player that was thought to be deceased. Uh, and then they found out the error in their ways. They actually invited the guy to the set uh, when they were recording in the early stages and he gave them permission to continue using his name once he found out that Crash Davis gets the girl at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I mean, like I think that's a good thing to hold out for if you're the, yeah. if you're in that position. <laughs> you got that leverage. Um Paula Abdul, remember her? Yeah. So apparently she did a lot of the choreography for this movie. I didn't realize there was that much dancing in it, but uh, yeah, uh, apparently there's a, a bar dance scene, which I'm even struggling to remember, even though I just, oh, yeah, at the very beginning when he's dancing with everybody and, Oh, that scene. Yeah. And she initially 
asks him to dance. Well, I mean, he does a whole like flip of that girl at one point. Oh, that's true. And then she goes uh, off and dances. Okay, yeah, you're right. There's and then she dances with the the clown prince of baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's who he is? No, well, that Max guy? Yeah, that was the dude at the very beginning who was doing the clown prince. No shit. Yeah. Oh, my God, I didn't make that connection. Yeah, and that's how he knew Crash, because he knew. Gotcha. Uh, So apparently she stormed off the set permanently uh, because she thought that doing the, the scene, the choreography of the scene, would get her in the movie for a couple lines. (laughs) <laughs> and when they doused that dream she stormed off sounds about right yeah um susan sarandon and what was the uh, i should have written his name out i just my notes are awful susan's what's what's robin's first name ted tim 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 robbins yes susan sarandon and tim robbins eventually had a long relationship after this movie. Yep. Yes, and they, they did. And they did in fact meet on set. Yeah. And begin their relationship. Yeah, they were set. together for like a decade, decade and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kevin Coster kept referring to Ted, Tim Robbins character as, you know, the child and meat and all that stuff. Meat. The rookie. Yeah. He's only three years older than Tim Robbins. <laughs> Sounds about right. So yeah. Well, there's. Uh, I have a. Th- you know, I'll get into that eventually about Kevin Costner, <laughs> the fucking withered baseball glove of actors. Um, actually, maybe it's fitting that he's in baseball movies. Uh, what is happening outside my apartment right now? There's so many sirens. I don't know, man. Um, okay, a couple Quarantine more. Quarantine life, maybe. Quarantine life. Yeah, I can't go outside and investigate. Yeah. Uh, a couple more. The candlesticks quote. <laughs> yeah. Remember, you remember that? Of course. So the scene where they go to the mound and, and they're uh, they're deliberating about, which I, I, that was, that line from Kevin Costner actually did make me laugh very hard. When he's summarizing all the problems that they're dealing with, we got the cursed, <laughs> cursed baseball glove. We got the wedding registry. You're dealing with a lot of shit here. He <laughs> just says it so dryly, but also a little hint of frantic. Yeah, <laughs> just like when he's like, "We need a head off of a what? a live chicken." Is that what it is? a rooster? Yeah, a rooster. <laughs> 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 oh we'll get into that uh but we, we got a lot of shit so that that scene where robert wool like starts thinking about it and goes well you know candlesticks are always a good gift and uh i, I think we should just like look up their wedding registry find out where they're registered that scene or that response is completely ad-libbed oh yeah and apparently yeah. it was ad-libbed the day of by Robert wool, because like a few days earlier, him and his wife were deliberating about what to get their friends who were getting married and they had a whole long discussion about it and they couldn't figure it out. And finally the candlesticks came up and he's like, yeah, why don't we just pick something that's 
a timeless gift, but no one's ever going to use. <laughs> so beautiful, beautiful. Oh, and one last tidbit: the wedding scene where, um, yeah, I don't remember the character. I forget the the guy's yeah. name, but it's Millie. Millie's Millie, yeah, Millie is the girl, and the the Christian guy is the. Yeah, I uh, don't know his name. I don't know his name, but they get married on the ball field, so they had to fill those stands with people. Yeah, and extras, but they didn't want to waste a lot of money because you know apparently five, what was it, five million is already you know seven point five is seven point five is capping out the budget here. That's already yes. blockbuster budget right there. <laughs> so, um, so what they did was uh, there was a Pink Floyd concert letting out nearby. <laughs> 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 you can only imagine. So everyone in that fucking stadium is stoned out of their fucking mind. <laughs> and they're just cheering for something. They they probably saw some shit on the field that wasn't there. Yeah. Or they thought it was real. Yeah, they thought it was real, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And they're so, yeah. like, Wait, there's gonna be a baseball game now, right? Yeah. They probably did. They probably thought it was really... Hey, can we can we can we throw on some uh, some Pink Floyd in the background over the intercom over the sound system? <laughs> so oh, awesome. there you have it. Well, well done. And those were enjoyable, tasty tidbits. There. Let's uh, get into the movie. Yeah, man. Let's get into the movie. What, what are your thoughts? You're the, you're the fir- you're one who saw it for the first time, so let's start with you. I dug it. It was it was decent. Um, it certainly doesn't make the top tier echelon of baseball movies for me, but that is a sacred tier. Um, Obviously. I mean, three of the five spots are the World Series DVDs of the Giants, so there's only room for two more. God. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> hey, they're dramatic. Their their loving stories about teamwork <laughs> and family and um, there's even some romance in there well, somewhere. I mean, that's how I feel about hockey movies and the Blackhawks DVDs. Oh yeah, well that that see, I hear you. <laughs> so um, I did like it though. I liked that the the baseball side of it was well balanced with the rom- the romance side of it. Um, the, I still stand by my original opinion. It's not a rom-com though. Like I get that it is, but in my mind, it's not. And I think that was, that was the disappointing part for me was like, well, I knew this going into it. I wasn't expecting a lot, but like, it's not a rom-com guys. You got to stop calling (laughs) it that. On this current and like on the most recent viewing here, you know, I, I agree with you more on that than I had in the past. And it's just everyone like labels it as a rom-com. Oh, it's legitimately called one. I, I mean, yeah. that's a popular opinion. That's not just us calling it that. Like that's, yeah. but I don't get it. And it, well, it does some things as far as like when it comes to romance that are unique and different that you don't usually see. Um, you know, just well, I mean, the initial like setup of you know, she she bangs one player for the season, sort of thing. And just the whole idea of just the relationship to sex is 
is definitely unique. It's <laughs> it compared to like other rom-coms. It's a very more loose and I, I pun intended there. Uh, <laughs> loose, loose interpretation of sex and its dynamics and basically just the you know, not necessarily being ashamed of it, just kind yeah. of embracing it. Um, and they're not putting gender politics upon it as well. Yeah, I, just, def- I definitely like the uniqueness of it. Yeah. It had a unique uh, take on a lot of things, and I, I really liked that. Yeah. It's just that, fortunately, there's so much baseball as well that when it came to the romance, they didn't provide a lot of film time for it. Right. So you had to infer a lot of things. And I know that that's something that we've talked about before where you don't like to infer things. You like it to be laid out and like, like it to make sense and make logical sense here. And it's more of with this, it's just, you know, all of a sudden crash sees her across the bar and buys her a drink all of a sudden, yeah, you know, crashes into her. Like I don't... just a, a lot of immediate things that aren't necessarily shown on the screen, but just like you have to all of a sudden, embrace and accept as now facts within the movie. Well, I don't like to infer things about their dynamic. Like if you're, if you're telling me a love story, I'm, I'm totally okay. Inferring things about the relationship because, you know, there's certain things that don't need to be said. We all kind of know what basic relationships are made of and like the fundamentals of dating and, and sparking a relationship from thin air and that kind of stuff. Like, there's a lot of the fundamentals that don't necessarily need a bunch of screen time, don't need to be explained blatantly in your face. But when it comes down to the dynamic that is more unique to the individuals involved, that's when it's like, I don't want, don't, don't let me fill in the gaps. Like this is a unique relationship and you're telling me the story of this relationship. I want to know all of it. Like that's like, that's like you telling me the origin story of how you meet your, your wife, you know, and you just say, well, we met at a bar. I don't want to know that. I want to know the details. I want to know, like, well, how, what led up to it? What kind of place were you in your life at that point? What kind of place was she at her li- in her life at that point? You know, like, what kind of mental state were you in? Were you guys trashed? Were you sober? Were you, you, know, were you there with friends and you were the sober DD wingman? Or were you... Were you the uh, the sad, lonely drunk at the bar and she wanders up and buys you a drink? You know, I want to know the details. You can't just say, we met at a bar. That infers way too much unique stuff about the relationship that is specific to you. Well, That's what I want out of a rom-com. Yeah, and like the, the wind streak that happens in the middle of the movie, like that's an hour in, hour and 15 minutes in, and... Then when she goes over to Crash's apartment and, you know, breaks in or basically busts into his apartment and yells at him for, you know, telling Nuke to not fuck with the win streak. Like, that's, as I mentioned, like an hour, hour, 15 into the movie. That's maybe the fourth or fifth time that they exchange dialogue in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it did and, not feel like they were so, setting up and, for a relationship between them. At that point, like he's supposed to have been lovesick over her the entire summer, and she's supposed to now realize, oh, she wants him. And there's just this whole dynamic flip that happens within the scene. The scene itself is solid. There is a 
definite palpable chemistry between Costner and Sarandon in the movie. But it's literally only the fifth time we've seen them exchange yeah. words on screen. And all of a sudden, all these thunderbolts that are supposed to have happened that were that are supposed to have been developed. And it's like, if this was like a sitcom, this is like the end of the first season. Like the whole, you know, 22 episodes of the first season would have led up to this moment. Instead, we just got like four previous scenes, including one where he has a weird monologue about the things he believes in. <laughs> that monologue was a little weird. I, I, I kind of liked some of the shit he said, though. Like, I was laughing at certain parts of it, or I went, as soon as he said, I think I think there should be a constitutional amendment abolishing the designated hitter and AstroTurf. And I went, yes! 100% agreed. I know you don't because you're an American League fan, but fuck the designated hitter. It's stupid. Designated, designated hitter should be in both leagues. Fuck no. The hit. No. You and I will never agree on that. Uh, nope. Pitchers yeah. are part of the game. They are meant to be in there no matter how terrible they are. It's part of the strategy. you got to work with it. P- pitching is its own separate entity that happens to be a part of the game. Just, just like just, just no. like just no, like this goal- isn't football, like man. Goal- just like goaltenders are, you know, basically stay within their areas and are the only ones who can use hands. Pitchers are the only ones who can throw the ball to start off. That's play. the beauty of baseball. There is no defense and offense. There is only the <laughs> team. That's no. Yes. <laughs> anyway, continue on. No, I'm done. No. The DH is stupid. Anyway, uh, I feel like I feel like that meme that I sent you. Like, really? Like, she's in a bubble, bro. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I I literally don't know what that argument's about. I think it's about the Wizard of Oz. Anyway, we're off topic. Anyway, yeah. Um. Where were we? What were we talking about? We were just talking about like the the viability of the love story in the movie. Oh right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The the love story itself it lacked a lot. It left a lot to be desired. It does. The movie itself, I didn't mind. Like the movie was was fine. Kevin Costner was passable. Um, you know my feelings about him. So you know, that's like an A in my book for him. Yeah, I was about um, to say, like that. He was passable. And, the sex scenes were gross. I didn't need to see them. Also, I thought the movie was over like 25 minutes before it ended. Yeah. Like the moment they bone for the first time, it's like, okay, wrap this shit up. Yeah. I mean, like, why are we just watching that, them bang through the months? And like, this is it. This is, you're trying to tell me this is well, their it's relationship. Not it's not necessarily through the months. It's literally like over a span of a couple days. And the, and the reason that, that was a couple like, days. Yes, and here's 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 why. So, like, first off, they're showing it because the whole idea of the whole like, because as I mentioned, the whole idea of sex was thought about presented in a different way in this movie, because not only was sex like there's a we talked about the whole like gender dynamics and everything else like that, but also it was supposed to show you know the the experience of you know of these humans like there's nuke initially you know the very first thing that millie says to uh susan serena's character 
about how he he you know has sex like he pitches you know he's fast and oh, kind of yeah. all over the place <laughs> and, and so and then when it came to that whole scene and like the elongated scene and like everything else but he takes the garter belt off immediately and he's like taking his time there's the part where he's painting the toes which is the most important part there there's the part where they're sharing cereal there's a lot of intimacy and you know a lot of like time taking within this you know love making session that's that was the whole thing that they were trying to teach nuke going up into base going up into the big leagues that you know within baseball and within life and you know within making love it's all the same sort of thing of you know, take your time. Not everything is instant gratification. Not everything is right away. That's well, that, that part is, is very true. And I did like that. Yeah. At the same time, still kind of gross to watch, It is, but that's the idea behind it. But the, the whole, but then what, like it still has to be done because then he goes to Asheville. I think that might be my favorite part of the whole movie. He goes to Asheville he drives to that stadium. First off, the Asheville Stadium looks cool as shit. Like it's just a small, tiny stadium, and like behind it is just a, a hill of trees. Like when he drives up to that stadium at the end, I just I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, that is a love, pretty cool stadium. I just love the way it looks. But then he goes there. He literally is like, "I heard you need a catcher." Like he gets up in there, hits a home run to get the minor league record, and then immediately bolts and gets the fuck out of there. <laughs> and it's just like, I just love the romance of baseball. And like, and that's the other thing is that the romantic comedy in this, for this film, isn't necessarily just between, you know, like the heterosexual or the heterosexual romance between Sarandon and Costner. It's also between Costner and all these other players and the sport of baseball. Right. In and of itself, it's also a romance. And there's a very love language, you know, shown within the directing and the way that the baseball scenes are written. Uh, and, the you know, some of the baseball things are written in this film. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. I, I think there's definitely a good. There's a good dynamic. There's a there's a good foundation to work with. It was just mm-hmm. underdeveloped. Like you said, it, there wasn't enough screen time given to the relationship. The, yeah. There's just a, a lot that they try to fit in. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Like if it was just the baseball film, it would have been a really good baseball film. Yeah. And to me, that's what it was. That's why I don't classify it as a rom-com. Cause it, to me, it doesn't feel like one. It wasn't enough time given to the relationship. Yeah. Plus like Susan Sarandon is fine, but Kevin Costner, like he's not, like he's he's a good looking dude. I'll give him that. Like he's a damn good looking dude, and he's got a certain yeah. suave attitude about him that is that I get can be very attractive. But he's not a good rom com guy to have. He doesn't like evoke, at least to me, like a main character like heartthrob in the form of I don't know. Maybe I'm classifying it based on more modern rom-coms, but because um, I guess back then he was a heartthrob for well, society standards. But like, 
Would you say that you like Ashton Kutcher as a romantic lead in films? Yes. Okay. And like, if you think about Ashton Kutcher to Kevin Costner, yeah, like, like, yeah, there's no, there's no comparison. Like, because Ashton Kutcher in and of himself is, you know, a very expressive actor. His comedic, like his comedic sensibilities are very, you know, upfront and like, you know, uh, kind of, I wouldn't necessarily say obvious, but like it's just expressive. Very, I think you're right. Expressive. It's expressive. Yeah. While Kevin Costner is very like he reserved. He's just yeah. He's also more, a product of the time. Like a lot of actors back then were like that. That was that was the heartthrob character that you wanted. That yeah. you wanted the like tough, suave guy. Whereas the tough, guy, the, the tough nut to crack almost. Right. You know? Exactly. The one with layers that you have to, you have to peel away at, you have to earn your way into their heart and fix them and all that garbage. Um, yeah. I, mean, I, I personally gravitate also- more towards the, the ones that are about, you know, a, a character that is either got a complicated past that is tough to open up at first, but then does, or someone who's just a little more open with their feelings in the first place. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what I like about rom-coms is, you know, you know me, like I'm, yeah, you know, I'm a sucker when it comes to stuff like that. I'd love the, you gotta be expressive about that stuff. That's what makes life. That's what makes life beautiful is, is enjoying the moments and, letting your feelings show. And you know, if it comes back to bite you in the ass, so what you learn from it, move on. But yeah. you don't limit, you don't let it limit the experiences and take away from the joy that you could be feeling in that moment. Yeah. And I feel like that kind I, of, that kind of closed up personality is definitely, definitely more common in the eighties. So I can understand why Kevin Costner was, was definitely a logical choice for this movie, but um, you know, going back and watching these, I can much easily, much more easily get on board with someone like Billy Crystal, who is of a similar level of closedness, but is goofy, you know, and it's a little more obvious that there's something deeper there that he's just waiting to let out. Whereas Kevin Costner, it's like, Sometimes I wonder if there's anything deeper there at all. Like. There is like. a IQ wise. Well, I mean. No, <laughs> I, I feel like there's just, there's a slightly like gruff nature to Kevin Costner. Where he's just almost like annoyed by situations. <laughs> like that just <laughs> what he seems like. It's just where. And in like other movies too, where he just has this kind of like value about him where it's just like things are supposed to go this way and like he kind of just says things very matter-of-factly in his kevin costner voice it's supposed to go this way you know what i mean yeah he's like the old school 50s dad or something yeah almost yeah almost like you know like kind of like clark gable in a it happened one night yeah a little bit yeah you know a little bit like that but um yeah, Even Clark Gable had more of a personality though. Kevin Costner just True. he just does not have like a like a very vibrant or definable personality. It just feels very blah. I mean, I like Kevin Costner, but at the same time, it's like I'm uh, I'm not like putting on my short list of like leading yeah. men. 
But I mean, I will say of- this in, in all the movies I have seen him in, this one was one of the better ones for him. I yeah. think he had a much more developed character. He, he yeah. showed a lot more emotion. Yeah. He was, uh, he had some good lines. He delivered them. Well, he was actually a much better I mean, actor in this movie than in a lot of other movies I've seen him. In. Like when he gets released from Durham, you know, you can see yeah. it on his face. Like, he doesn't he even like, need to see anything. Yeah. He doesn't hit the chair like the, the earlier guy did in, bef- in the beginning of the yep. movie. Yeah. He doesn't he say just, anything. He just. He lets it affect his face. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was well done. I agree. Yeah. Um, so one thing this movie, I mean, we talked about how the romance was kind of in the backseat of this film. Um, and that also means that the kiss of the movie is kind of put in the backseat of it. Like, I guess the kiss of the movie would be their first kiss when they start making out before their whole, you know, days long sex session. Yeah. I was trying to think of that too. I, I guess know, that's it. That would have yeah. to be the kiss. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, I mean, honestly, I just give it a, I'm just going to go ahead and give it a C. I like, there's not much to talk about. Like it really isn't. It was, it was leading up to, sex and they were very expressive and explicit with the sex so therefore there's not a lot of like that you have to infer you unnecessarily much in, in my opinion like i love oh, a yeah, good sex scene but I, I i personally I, I and i'm not necessarily like a prude about sex but i just feel like it doesn't sex yeah. sex scenes in general just have never made sense to me they've never like i don't know i i just like I feel like it's almost better left to the imagination. Like nothing that you can like show, like with the curves of the body and everything else yeah. like that is going to make, I guess for me is going to make me like see something that I wouldn't have thought about, you know, I, I guess you can just imagine like the, the sex being great and whatever. Like, yeah, I don't I, need to be shown. I, I, mean, I guess, I guess that just comes down to, I mean, you know what? If you ever meet me in person and you want to talk about just the ideas, the ideas of sex, we can talk about it. But <laughs> yeah, like that's a whole that's a whole other thing that I'll I'll wax poetic about, especially after a few drinks. Um, oh yeah. But nonetheless, I give the kiss a C. Uh, I, I I I it's a C because I, I do like the whole. She was trying to teach Nuke how to take off her garter belt during the wind streak. I then, did like that. Yeah, crash, crash immediately knew how to do it, and she goes, "Oh my!" Like, yeah, that was that was, was the like, best part of this that, scene. Yeah, it was like okay, tip of the cap to that, but like that, it's still a C. Like also, like Kevin Costner's not even moving his lips; like he's just standing there while she kisses him. And it's yeah. like, dude, participate. <laughs> i know i mean i i gave love actually shit for <laughs> yeah like, he's not even getting a participation trophy at this point well, like at least he's taking a garter belt off like i mean yeah, I, right. I get no lips moving if your hands are co- are reaching toward taking a garter belt off to take clothes off i if, thought of that and watched the whole time his lips were not moving the whole time all right well Nonetheless, yeah. What what's your grade? I would give it a C as well. It's okay. it's bordering on, I would say C minus actually. Yeah. It was it yeah. was just not it. It didn't do anything for me. It was like okay, cool. It was a good yeah. It's a good kiss. Oh whatever. Move uh, on. You know, I think 
what happens after ever after as well um, is this one's pretty easy. Like I actually think crash takes the Vesalia manager job and he becomes a manager in the minor leagues. Newt and gets just... Tommy John. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I don't know why, but like Nuke gives me the same vibes as like, uh, I feel like he has the same career as like, uh, what was it? Matt Harvey. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. With the whole, like constantly in the tabloids as well. Like, yeah. And then kind of flames out. Um, but he has like some good, like a good, like half year here, half year there. So everyone thinks he's like this, this big phenomenon, but he's just okay. Um, yeah. So he kind of has like a Matt Harvey career kind of flames out by the time he's like in his late twenties. Uh, and then, uh, you know, crashes a manager through the minor leagues. And I, I feel like he makes it to the show as a third base coach for a year, but he makes it like for a team that only wins like 60 games. <laughs> as the third base coach. And then he kind of ends up back in the minors as a manager and they realize, Oh, he's better like developing the players down. Yeah. There. Um, and then, uh, I think Millie and the Christian guy have like 10 kids. Oh yeah. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. So, uh, that's what happens after ever after on that one. <laughs> you know, keeping it simple and easy. Uh, so, you know, at this point, I guess it comes down to, you know, we're at the verdict at this point. Um, uh, so yeah, I'll like, go first. yeah, take it, take it away. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think this is a movie I would on the fuck, Mary kill scale. I would give it a fuck. It's a solid fuck for me. Like it's a really fun movie to watch, especially if you like baseball movies. And if you like baseball, uh, you like rom-coms, you know, I, I I'd still say you can watch it. Uh, I, it's just, I, I don't know. It's a fun movie. It's just, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a rated R comedy. So like, you know what you're kind of getting into, you know, from jump, it's a rated R comedy about baseball in the eighties. So, you know, it's going to be kind of raunchy. It's going to be kind of, you know, mis- like not necessarily misogynistic, but it's going to be male slanted, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's, there's, you kind of know what you're getting when you think about it. Um, but even then, it's it's a fun hour forty five to spend. Like when I watched it this morning as I was working um, from home, because yeah, I was putting in some OT hours and watching this in the background. But uh, like, I just I, I enjoyed every second of it. I, I was just like, I just like this movie. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's not necessarily one that I'm like constantly rewatching. But yeah, I would give right. it a solid fun. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I would, I would also give it a fuck. Like you, like for all the reasons you said, I think it's definitely worth watching once. And yeah, the rom com side of it is decent enough. Um, I think it, I could definitely, I think we both could find definite ways to improve it. Mm-hmm. Um, considering we didn't really talk about it that long, um, I mean that kind of gives you an idea yeah. of it. There, we didn't have like. A lot of stem offs. You can usually tell from our podcast if we have a shit ton of <laughs> tangents and uh, we start getting excited about it. Like it's it's had a good plot. It's had a good storyline yeah, that we can really it, talk like, a lot about. Yeah, it's a mix of that or we've seen it before. 
like we both already have that too yeah feelings of it um yeah i mean a lot of our a lot of our episodes that go longer it's like because we've seen it so many times there's so many things that are already in our memory to bring up that is this true movie. yeah this movie it's like i've seen it once like everything i have to see it again and i've seen it twice now and i'd have to see it a couple more times to like you know really know some of those lines but i mean like i also remember uh espn they did uh commercials using scenes of the from this movie but they had their own uh like anchors and baseball personalities <laughs> but they used it as a uh, commercials for baseball tonight so it was back when like Harold Reynolds was still on ESPN. Oh God. And like, and Reese Davis and like John Cruck, I think. And like those guys. So it was uh, like Harold Reynolds was played the manager when he throws the bats in the shower. Going, <laughs> you lollygag out to the field. You lollygag back to the dugout. You know what that makes you? And I think it was like Reese Davis was the, was Robert Wool. And he goes, a lot of gaggers. <laughs> I did. I was laughing quite a bit at that scene. Yeah. See, like the baseball scenes in this movie were actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, it, like it's just, and also that he goes to Crash asking for him, and Crash is like, scare him a little bit. Throws the fucking bat at like, him. Like, hilarious. Oh my god. <laughs> like, there's some legit hilarious comedy in this, and like, you know, the whole idea of a rain delay um, when he. It tells the dugout if this guy throws me a deuce on the first pitch, taking him downtown. And when he hits the home run, he looks back at the dugout and puts his hands on his feet. Like, oh my god! Oh, I love that. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, it was just like you fucking dick. That oh man, he take one in the ear hole for that. But or when he <laughs> the second time he tells the batter about <laughs> the pitch when Nuke's throwing the two hit shutout, and he, he and goes, "You told him, didn't you?" Like, He's throwing a two-hit shutout, and he's shaking me off. All right, well, here comes the deuce. And when you speak of me, speak well. (laughs) (laughs) And then he crushes the homer, and he goes out to Duke, and Duke's like, you told him, didn't you? He's like, well, something flying that far should have a stewardess on it or something, right? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's there's definitely some good lines in that. Yeah, a lot of really good funny parts, and it's just yeah. So it's a it's a movie that's worthwhile, especially if you like baseball. Um, but you know, at the same time, you don't have to necessarily go back to it because it's not necessarily a a love story that makes you believe in love again or anything else like that. Right. You know, that you know presents something you know worthwhile, like you know Love Actually or When Harry Met Sally or you know other movies that we've married would so. Yeah, I did. Yeah. One other thing I did want to say about it was uh, I did briefly bring it up earlier, but I loved the connection to the one good connection I thought it had between relationships and baseball was the thinking part. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really clever and a, a very, a very obvious connection, but a very good connection. Nonetheless, I agree. That in baseball, it's so anybody who's ever played baseball, you know how much overthinking can destroy your game, whether it's in the moment or over the course of a season or whatever. You get in yep. slumps, you overthink it. You uh, you are out on the mound in the middle of a six inning no hitter, 
you start overthinking it and that's when you blow it. Like you, you, uh, you give yourself too much of a time to catch a fly ball and you start overthinking it and realizing that you got to throw the guy out at home after you catch it, but then you drop it. So you never Mm -hmm. catch it to begin with. Like there's way too many things to overthink. And the easiest way to play is to just take your mind out of the equation and do it. Trust yourself. Mm-hmm. And I love that analogy to relationships because there's a lot that can be said the same way about relationships and love in general. You can study it all you want. You can go home and watch the tapes and fucking read the handbooks and brush up on your strategy and figure everything out. But when it comes down to actually doing it, turn your brain off and follow your heart. Just trust that you. And that goes that goes with the actual, you know, relationship part and actually doing it. So in both ways. (laughs) Also, yeah. Also, the 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 bare minimum, the lustful sexual side of it. Yeah. If you're overthinking sex, yeah, it's not going to work. Like, yeah. You need to just be in the moment, enjoy it, and let yourself go. And whatever it takes to let yourself go, whether it's in the bedroom or in the relationship or wherever more often than not, they should be one and the same that then like, that you're the better off you're going to be. And that was the, the best part of that long sex scene we've talked about it was a little too long, but I understood it's process or it's, you know, the reason behind it was how he was painting her nails. And like, she was like, she, she had her wrist, she was tied and it's like, look, hey, I'm not going to hate on, I'm not going to shame anyone's kinks. I'm not going to kink shame anyone. So she's like tied to the bedpost and she's like, you know, moving in like, you know, very, you know, she's obviously enjoying what's happening to her and she's moving in ways where she's enjoying it. And it's just him painting her toenails just carefully and slowly. And it's just like, that's like the whole, the whole idea of like taking your time and just more of, being and enjoying the moment as opposed to, and, you know, and letting the moment breathe as opposed to just constantly being go, go, go. Exactly. And allowing that to disrupt everything. Yeah. And that goes for relationships. That goes for sex. And that goes for baseball. Absolutely. And that's the Absolutely. Cause yeah. Cause some of the best moments of a relationship, some of the best moments of a ball game are going to be the moment that you really just, you inhabit that moment and nothing else. You shut everything else out. You shut all other eight and two thirds innings out. You shut all other days and weeks and years out of the relationship. And you just focus on that moment. Just be with each other. Just be with the, be with the game, be with the relationship, be in that moment. And you just listen for the, the hit of the trash can. God damn it. <laughs> Fuck you, Houston Astros. Oh my god. Yeah, they are they are the uh the polygamous cheaters of the <laughs> world. That's a very fitting analogy. Oh man. Um yeah. all right. Well so you can find our show uh on Instagram at Bromancing the Stone Podcast. So that's, you know, bromancing. So B-R-O-M-A-N-C-I-N-G, The Stone Podcast. 
Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod. So that's B R O T A G S T O N E P O D. Uh, and then you can find myself on Instagram at Relusa88. And that's R E L U S A A 8. And my Twitter is Supermarket Sweep without the E in super. So it's S U P R Market Sweep. Uh, and then you can find Max at, on Instagram. Instagram at uh, the Lionhearted T H E period L Y O N H E A R T E D. Indeed, and indubitably, uh, so. yes. And uh, I forgot to mention to you beforehand, but next week is technically your choice since this was a joint choice. Oh God! I know that's that's on me. I should oh, have given you forewarning. All right, give me a minute. Hang on, let me pull up the list. Pull up the list. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and pull up the list. I'll pull up the list. Um, yeah, and, so. you know, we hope this finds you well during the quarantine. Um, God, what is happening in the world? Yeah, I mean, we wanted to make sure to put some shit out here for you during the quarantine. There were some ideas about we weren't like we were scrambling trying to find uh, some sort of way to record ourselves remotely. Luckily, we found a way. Um, but yeah, there were some thoughts about that. We were going to have to record separately, like separate voice files. And, uh, you could tell us if, you know, you've listened this far and you like this idea where we were going to watch, uh, sitcoms with romantic storylines and kind of give our top three episodes to watch for that love story in a sitcom. Um, so like for like Niles and Daphne and Frasier, you should watch this episode, this episode, this episode, and here's why. And then we both kind of give our opinions of it separately and then put that out as like a mini, like 20, 30 minute episode. We almost well, did that. Luckily, we found a way to record. luckily, Renee was clutch enough to find a way to record. So <laughs> we'll find yeah. out after this, if the audio quality is worth repeating in following episodes, yeah. I'm sure we'll be doing this for yeah a couple, couple weeks yeah, at, at least, least, at least another week. Um, so yeah, uh, but, uh, but also, you know, if we, if we get enough, enough clout, if we get to the point where there's enough people who want to like join a Patreon or, you know, things like that, we might put some extra content out like that for you. So just let us know if you like that idea. DMs are open. We've got, we've, got a, we've, we've increased the sizable following. I'm impressed. Yeah, still, we got the tens and tens of listeners. Did I, did I tell you that we went international? Yeah. Did I, did we, did we discuss that on a podcast already? I think we discussed it on the pod, yeah. UK and Finland? I fucking love yeah. that. Yeah. I What's love up? that. Let's go. What up? What up, bros, to the UK? Yeah. And, uh. Um, go Finland. Finland. I How love, do we say brother? And I love. I love Timo Solani. Timo Solani for forever. The Finnish Flash. He was a hockey player. Okay, Max. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a famous hockey player. Um, and then also uh, my good buddy. Shout out to my buddy since high school, Mark Sampang. Uh, he and his uh, girlfriend recently followed our podcast and his girlfriend is from italy nice yeah. so what yeah. up yeah girlfriend from italy yeah there you go so we got italy give on. me there travel tips although like after this whole shit boils over <laughs>
right. Well, Max, have you found the the list? And are you looking it over? Um, I was trying to figure out how to say brother in Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> that was literally not weird. You were looking for a movie. Oh. My bad. Um, no, I did do that. I did do that. I did my homework first, Dad. Jesus. <laughs> um, but for those wondering, it is Veli is brother in Spanish. Or not Jesus Christ. In Finnish. In Finnish. Yeah. Uh, it's been a quarantine. Hey, Veli. Uh, hang on one second. Let me... Oh, Veli. Veli. Yeah, I had a prayer. Very, very. Yeah. I like that. Nice. All right. So to all our vellies in Finland. God, I hope that's not butchering it. <laughs> Moving on. Um, the podcast, or not podcast, the movie we're going to watch next for the podcast is Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, which is funny because I saw that on Amazon Prime when I watched this movie. Damn it, uh, wait, I actually kind of wanted to watch that with you, though, like... A crazy Stupid Love? Yeah, in the same room. Like, okay, now i got to start thinking about what we can watch not in the same room. So are we, are we or are we not doing that? Well, I wanted to do it. I mean, we could technically be on a call and just... You don't necessarily have to record, but we could be on a call and watch it at the same time. Yeah, or Skype or something. Yeah. That's true. Let's do that. All right, let's do Crazy Stupid Love. All right, so we're going to do Crazy Stupid Love, the Steve Carell, Julianne Moore, Kevin Bacon, Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling vehicle. Uh, So (laughs) I know it well. I have it on Blu-ray too. Do you really? Yeah. Well, Uh, good for fucking you. (laughs) I'm going to watch it streaming because I'm much too lazy to go like pull it out and put in the PS4 and all that. But you have it on Blu-ray and you still refuse to open it up because I could just stream it. (laughs) I don't understand. Oh, my God. It's not a movie where you need the fucking visual quality. Oh, my God. Anyway. So we'll watch that movie and review it next week. Um, until then, thank y'all for checking us out and rocking stay with safe, us. Stay healthy. Stay, 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 stay positive. Healthy. Yeah. Seriously, and, stay uh, positive. Yeah, we'll we'll get through this all together. Uh, and uh, until then, have a good night. We love you guys. <laughs>